You found it. The no-nonsense, no-script podcast you've been waiting for. Real people on real issues. Welcome to Dynamic Independence. The home of logic, reason, and common sense. Let's do it. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in today. I'm Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by Bruce Adams. Good afternoon, Bruce. How are you today? Good afternoon. Healthy and alive. Doing well. We're not going to talk about COVID. Yourself? Well, we might talk a little no, bit about no. COVID. We might talk a little bit about COVID because we're going to talk about Biden and the, the overwhelming numbers of deaths we're seeing in the United States is just it's staggering. It's absolutely staggering. So we're going to have to um, we're going to have to talk about it a little bit when we talk about Joe Biden. So it's kind of unavoidable. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't take our word for it. You have to. We'll, we'll play Biden and you can hear it from him because you don't need truth when you have facts. I know. OK, <laughs> sorry. I, <laughs> today's been one of those those days where it's just like, I don't know why, but I feel like I'm just physically tired. I, I don't know. It, like it's that's that's so unlike me. But today's been one of those days. And I've also been digging into uh, some new books and you and I were talking about them before we started. I'm not going to get into all the details. It's been a pretty heavy day as far as reading and and digesting certain things uh, from a mental standpoint. So I'm a little exhausted before I even get started because um, some of the things I was telling you what I was reading, uh, that's that's some heavy stuff, man. Um, we'll we'll get yeah, into that. Uh, we'll get into that another time because we're going to have to. And, and I'll tell you why. Because of what we're seeing in the U.S., we're going to have to get into that. So that's why I'm studying up on it as best I can. However, let's get into Chaz. Okay, so what's going on in Chaz? You still got people there, even though the mayor and the city council says they're going to shut it down. So why do we still have people there? Yeah, well, not only is there the mayor and the police and whatnot of saying leave, but many of the leaders there were saying leave and be sure to vote for Biden. But they're still there. They're still protesting the thing. And honestly, this is the thing about it. I seriously think they wanted a militant conflict there. They they wanted they wanted things to go kinetic. And that that's kind of what my feeling is. And that's why some of these are I mean, some of the pictures you're seeing, it's uh, like one of them laying down on the ground. That's an Antifa dude wearing mm-hmm. blackout, as they call it. And he's got some uh, uh, looks like a pouch or something like military type style. Yeah. But uh, well, yeah, fact, it, it fact is they wanted Trump to go in there and he didn't do it. He, he didn't take the bait. Exactly. Yeah. So and we've so had people getting killed in there. Literally. Four now. What is it? Four? Is it four? That were I'm not, shot? I'm not sure. Four of them were I'm shot. Sure one of them, I think one of one death that we know of. We don't know how many are actually been killed. Yeah, because they could have them buried anywhere there, you know, and we wouldn't know about it because law enforcement isn't there. Right. I mean, we don't know how many numbers of assaults, any kind of sexual assaults. I mean, we don't know what happened. Uh, Nobody was there as far as cops. Didn't you tell me that there was an instance there with uh, with the warlord with his apartment? Yeah, but the that wasn't in chop though the the one the airbnb bit is that is that what you're talking about yeah i thought it was his apartment that was there that was being rented out as the airbnb it was but it wasn't inside of chop it was it was uh, somewhere else in uh seattle i believe you know i've never stayed in an airbnb i don't even know how those things work so is it essentially it's like the uber of of staying places you actually have somebody that owns the place like a like a person owns the place and they just rent it out is that is that how that works yeah, it's it's literally somebody's house or apartment and you rent it out for a weekend or or however long. And, 
you basically live in their house. Like it's, it's furnished everything, you know, it's, it's yeah, literally weird. their house. That's just, it, it is weird. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I don't know that I could do that. I, I don't think I could either. It's like, Hey, um, yeah. Can I come live at your house for a couple of days? <laughs> I'll pay you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's it's, just, it's, that's weird. Yeah. But that's, that's what it was. And there, there was, um, uh, some, some people, um, rented it out and, um, ended up getting run off by Antifa. Yeah. So is it, what else we have on Chaz? Is there anything else on Chaz? Uh, how, how much longer are they going to let it go on? We, we've heard talks that they're going to shut it down. Most of the people have already left. They've, what'd you say the other day? They've only got a few dozen people left there. So how much longer are they going to let yeah. it go? I, I don't know. It depends on, uh, I honestly don't know. You you probably still have a bunch of people coming in during the day, but as far as people still staying there at night, I don't know. Uh, Maybe the just the hardcore people are left, but I'm pretty sure they had cement barriers brought in instead of the the plastic ones. So that was one of the deals or something they did with the city at one point. Why you would give them cement barriers is well, beyond me. More importantly, whatever. how how are you supposed to how, like how's Ben and Jerry supposed to get out so they can resupply and get back in there? That's the main thing here, right? Right. right. What's interesting about this is. Um, who all supporting like this goes to show who all supporting the 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 Marxist takeover, and it should be enlightening for us as the uh, the consumer and whether or not we want to continue doing business with them. You know, you bring up an interesting point there because a lot of things have transpired over the last few days with social media companies. Now we've talked about social media companies here quite frequently, and we've voiced our opinions on where we stand on them. I personally, I've never been on social media per se. I mean, I've never really been on it. I've never really posted anything ever. I've never put anything about myself up there. Nothing. And so I've never really been in that world. I've never existed in that world. But companies now advertise. Well, companies have been advertising on there for a long time. Companies like Coca-Cola, companies like Verizon, the North Face and so on and so forth. You know, Dockers, Levi's, all all that stuff. So Mm -hmm. they advertise there. However, these companies are now boycotting Facebook and Twitter. Why are they doing that? Why, why are they doing that? They're boycotting them because, and I'm not making this up, they're boycotting them because they think these companies aren't going far enough to censor people. Yep. So they're, they're putting the pressure on the social media companies to clamp down on people's speech even more. This is the big danger. Not only do you have the major corporations that are on board with this uh, whatever agenda, this, this, well, technically it's a fascist agenda, isn't it? I mean, yeah. Not only do you have them on board with it, but you have them sh- walking away from the uh, the public square of our time, which are social media platforms, because they are saying that social media is allowing too many people to speak on there. But they're calling it uh, racism and hate speech. Racism and hate speech. Understand something. Believe me, any normal, sane thinking person is against racism and hate speech. But you have to understand how it's being defined. You have to understand how it's being defined. Who's defining hate speech and racism. It's the mob. The mob is defining racism and hate speech. The corporations are defining what it is. They're setting the agenda. Finance capital, corrupt finance capital is setting that agenda. They're creating the message and they're pushing it out onto the rest of us. And so that becomes the new talking point. That becomes the new racism. Whether it's racist or not, whether it's hate speech or not, it doesn't matter. It's whatever they say it is. That's the point. It's whatever they say it is. And if you don't conform 
to what those corporations are setting for the agenda, then you get shut down and you get called those things. You get called a hate, a hate preacher. You get called a racist, a bigot or whatever you want to call it. When we're not, this is the real danger of this. So corporations are now walking away from Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and the rest of them. Hershey's, uh, here's some of the companies that are doing this, okay? Coca-Cola, they're pulling all advertising. Uh, excuse me, they're pausing advertising. They're not pulling it, they're pausing it, right? Till Facebook can get their act together, according to them. Dockers, right, the clothing company. Levi's, you know, the jean company. They're going to be pausing ads on Facebook and Instagram. While Hershey's Chocolate Company, right, the Hershey Company, they said they're going to be cutting spending on Facebook and Instagram by a third for the rest of the year. And you've also got other companies that are going to be jumping on board just to name a few, right? There's 90 companies in all, roughly between now and the first part of July, they're going to be jumping on board with this. Uh, and you have companies like Verizon, Patagonia, REI, the lending company, the North Face. You've also got organizations like the ADL. <laughs> we couldn't see that one coming. The NAACP, Sleeping Giants, Color of Change, Free Press, and Common Sense. Other companies include... Atlas Pet Company, Blue State, Blurry Bits Photography, Coca-Cola, obviously, uh, City Advisor, Climate Ride. Yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, they jump on board. Uh, let me see, Dockers. Uh, Eddie Bauer is going to be jumping in there. Jansport, the uh, the bag company, they're going to be jumping in there. Las Vegas Food and Wine Festival, The Lending Club, Life Straw. Life Straw? Really? Wow. Limeade's going to be jumping in there. Mm-hmm. Mozilla. Mozilla. You know the Mozilla? Yeah, Mozilla. So just to name a few. But we see the issue here, don't we? We see what the corporations are doing now. They have chosen their side. They know where they stand. Now, you as the consumer, what are you going to do? Are you going to boycott these products? Are you going to walk away from some of these products? I haven't bought Coca-Cola products for years. I don't care about their stuff, right? That's just me. That's my own personal choice when it comes to what I drink and eat and things like that. But I don't buy any of their products. But some of these other companies, I can't say that I'll be buying anything from Levi's ever again. I won't be buying anything from Dockers ever again. I won't be buying anything from the North Face ever again. I've got one of their jackets, really nice jacket. But you know something? You know, and I see their stores all over the place. I'm not going in those places again. They can have it. If that's the stance they're going to take, if, if that's the kind of attitude that they want to have to people, then they can go to hell. What are your thoughts? Some of these companies, I'm sure, are just doing it for as a it's PR, more or less PR, PR. Yeah. God, I, I honestly... Some of these companies I wouldn't do business with anyway, just because I don't agree with their their principles. But uh, I'm I'm torn on it because I I remember the day when it didn't matter whether publicity was good or bad. It's still publicity. It still puts your name out there. I don't know what happened to that, and I'm still kind of a, a person of that. If you're if you're, uh, for example, you know, uh, still advertising on Twitter or Facebook. Well, guess what? In, in the current climate of things, the media is going to be like, oh, this company, this big name company isn't backing down from these. Yeah, that, that puts my name out there. That gets my product in the in the forefront, whether it's good or bad. It doesn't matter. You know, it, it gets it out there. And I, I'm, I'm still kind of a, a, I still kind of like that idea, that that concept. Right. So I, I don't know right. the, the whole. Right. I don't know where that went and why companies are, are like, why have they gone so social justice warrior types? It's not in the long run. It's not going to be good for them in the long run, because let, let's say they're on board with this whole Marxist idea. OK, let, let's say that's the case. They're not going to last under a Marxist system. I mean, who are they going to do business with? The people well, are going to you know have something? any money. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, by the way, I, I missed a few of those big companies. Unilever, you talked about Unilever yesterday. Unilever was one of them. Mm-hmm. Also... Hellman's mayonnaise, Hellman's mayonnaise, they're on board. Dove soap, Lipton tea, right? They're, they're on board. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, those are some of the other ones. But yeah, you're saying um, 
Go ahead. Lipton is part of Unilever. Is it? Okay. All right. I didn't realize. I know that yeah. Unilever is like a big yeah. parent company. And I, I same thing. It's like Nestle, right? They, they do the same thing. It's mm-hmm. like a big parent company. But anyway, they make all kinds of stuff. Yeah. But you mentioned something there about the corporations and operating under Marxism. See, this is why it's not going to be a Marxist system. It's going to use it at its at its base, but it's not going to be a true Marxist system. This is why what we're seeing, and this is what I'm reading about, by the way, what I'm studying up on. And I, Bruce and I, you know, I've been like throwing ideas back and forth about this stuff, but mm-hmm. it's not a true Marxist movement. I explained right. it when we talked about our socialist structure. The system of Marxism, the socialist ideology in and of itself became irrelevant in the West. So they're having to reinvent it. So this is what they're doing with the corporations. It's going to be a sense of corporate fascism is what it's going to be. That's the new system they're trying to bring in because you're going to have the corporations at the head of it. And this is going to be in conjunction with like social credit, like we talked about. So you're going to have a nasty mix like it's going to be it's going to be this bad. If you can imagine this, this is where through my research and through the things that we've discussed and the things we've been able to put together, this is my take on it. You're going to have a fascist system on top. This is what they're trying to recreate. OK, this is very important. They're going to have a fascist system on top. That's going to be the overarching structure that's going to administer the social credit system. That's going to administer all of the, um, you know, the housing and the um Uh, The money, you know, the credits and and all that stuff, everything that's going to be what's on top. It's going to be run by the mega corporations. And then at the grassroots where we are, that's going to be socialism, Marxism and communism. That's what it's going to be. So if you can imagine a merger of those two systems, that's what they're going to do. So, yes, it will not be able to survive in a full blown Marxist system. You're correct. However, when it comes to totalitarian systems, corporations, like I said in the past, they're no stranger to those systems. They'll jump in bed with whatever, whatever they think is going to get them ahead. They don't care. Corporations were on board with the Nazis in Germany. They were on board with it. Big name companies like Volkswagen, Bayer or uh, Bayer, as they say in German, uh, or as it said in German, you know, IG Farman, these companies, these were mega corporations of their time. They were on board with what they did. So, It's a matter of who they think is going to be the bigger winner here. And clearly, they've chosen which side they're going to be on. If you're drawing battle lines, we know which side they're on, right? Yeah. But yes, that's where they are. So I don't think that it's going to matter at the end of the day. We're seeing the, the system that's being implemented. But again, it's synthetic. This is not real. I guess I need to clarify. It's real, but it's being done through the guise of finance capital. Everything you're seeing... All the riots in the streets in the U.S. and the U.K., this is all being perpetuated by these corporations and finance capital behind them. That's what's paying for all this. They are trying to overthrow the capitalist system. They're at the top. They don't want any more competition. So they're shutting us off. That's what it is. They're pulling the ladder up. So they're trying to let me me put it this way. When the American Revolution happened, we did what? What, what did we do? We, we created a vast system that was able to expand wealth and raise the standard of living for pretty much everybody in the world who wanted it, right? If you wanted to take that a model of that system and you wanted to duplicate it, you could do exactly the same thing. And it was successful. It was a system that produced. It was a system that didn't have to steal anything. And everybody was given the opportunity to, to raise themselves up and, and to raise society up. It was a true engine, a very powerful engine for world progress. Corporations that rose up out of that, they saw that potential. They saw that idea. They saw that that drive for success and they used it. 
they got to a point. I mean, I'm talking like guys like Gates and the rest of them and, and all these mega corporations and everything. They use that system to get themselves to the top. They propelled themselves to the top. And so what did they do? They began to study the American Revolution and Western civilization. And they've tried to figure out how to re-engineer it into a system of totalitarianism. So they're trying to drag us back from what we broke away from. Honestly, that is exactly what uh, I see them trying to do as well. They want us to go back to authoritarianism, uh, like uh, you've said it before, more or less like medieval times, right? Where you had the the noble classes and the um, the monarchy and whatnot. You're gonna that that's more or less what they're trying to bring us back into. Whether it be through like uh, you know a, a type of Marxism, fascism, whatever. That that's what they're pushing us into. It's the same thing with what what I keep harping on with uh, the social credit system, which is kind of what we're seeing elements of. That's literally what the system is. You're going to have a ruling few that are going to rule over the masses. Now you can argue that we're already kind of in that system now, uh, as far as like like an oligarchy or or something similar to that. I've I've heard compelling arguments uh, that America is currently in that state, but. At the same time, there's still freedom and and being able to get out of that. And our system isn't broken. It's not the system that's broken. It's the people. It's the corruption among the people. That's the problem. Hmm. And they keep pushing for this. We need to, you know, we need to completely redo the, you know, burn the entire system down and redo it. Just do something completely different. That's not the solution. That no. That is not what the problem is. It's the people. We need to get different people in there. Clean out the swamp, drain the swamp, as as Trump's saying. That's what we need to do. But unfortunately, not everybody's on board with that idea. But you see, though, how they how they tailor that message. They finance the revolutions in the streets. They finance that. And so those social groups, those mass organizations will carry that message of overthrowing the system. All oh, the systems corrupt, the systems corrupt all the while, while it's the system that wants to take over. That's capitalism that got them there in the first place. They're wanting to overthrow that because they want to be able to administer it. That's what it all comes down to. Yeah. So that that's it's so, it's so paramount that people get that that it's synthetic. This is a synthetic movement that you're seeing. This is not real. This is not a true grassroots Marxist uh, socialist movement. It's paid for by corrupt interest, corrupt finance capital. Which, by the way, I watched the. Uh, the thing on the BLM money laundering operation. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Wouldn't it? The Tides Foundation never would have guessed. Right. Nah, <laughs> yeah, right. 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 Uh huh. Yeah. Saw that one coming. OK. Anything else on the corporations, which Facebook, by the way, Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg, he's lost seven billion dollars already. He's lost seven billion dollars as all these companies have now pulled their ad revenue from uh, from Facebook. So he's lost seven billion, which you know, he's under attack by the corporations to get in line. That's what it is. Yeah. He's not being hardcore enough. So they're taking him to the woodshed to try and get him on board. And yeah. All right, kid, what's it going to be? You going to stand with we the people or are you going to sell out? Which I I already think I know which way he's going, but we'll, uh, we'll, he's already sold out. Yeah. He's already sold out. He's, he's, he's been saying the entire time, right? Before all this started happening, He's, he keeps going to the government and going, come on, regulate us, please. We want mm-hmm. you to regulate us. We want to be in bed with you. And he's been trying to do this for a while. And I, I don't know that – I don't think the American people see that, honestly. I, I don't think they – do they even really care? Do they care that we're going into a social credit, fascist, Marxist system? Do they care that we're going headlong? 
I think the average person does when they find out, but um, they're going to care. They're going to care, but it's going to be too late at that point. They're they're going to care. It may honestly be too late as far as social credit's concerned. I mean, it's well, we're already, already seeing it everywhere. We're, we're already see- yeah, we're already seeing it. We're we're already seeing it in other forms. It's an abstract form, but it is here. But they're going to go full bore with it. They're they're going to go hardcore with yeah. it. If we get a Joe Biden, we might actually see a full blown state run centralized social credit system. Yes, I believe I believe that's true because he's obviously he's he's on that that opposite side. I mean, he's you can forget about anything as far as like the U.S. Constitution or the U.S. way or well, hell, you can forget about the Western way of life. You can forget mm-hmm. about it mm-hmm. if if Joe Biden gets in, because all these people. Right. If you're not from the United States and I know we have international listeners, this is not about just America. OK, this is about the West. The U.S. is what's holding the West together at the moment. If you think it's the EU, you're crazy. You're crazy. But to be clear, I don't think it's Joe Biden himself. That's the problem. No, he's or, or that will enact all this. Yeah, he's just he's just the puppet at this point. He's not coherent enough to enact a social credit system. It's it's the people that's in his cabinet or behind him, the the, the shadow groups, if you will. You know, it was like I said yesterday. Shadowy. Yeah, it's it's like I said yesterday. You, you mentioned there about the, the social credit, and you said, "Well, do people even care?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "They're going to care. They will care." People will care, but it'll be too late. Yeah. It's just like the ones that I said about the uh, these kid, these stupid kids that are out there now. The ones that are uh, the ones that are in those skinny jeans and have the thousand dollar iPhones, wanting socialism and communism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you keep mm-hmm. wanting that. You keep wanting that because that system comes in. You're going to be out there in the streets. You're going to be begging for food, and when you complain to one of the authorities that you had replaced with from a police department, they're going to stomp your guts out. And they're going to drag you off to a prison camp for criticizing and, and demeaning the people's paradise. So you keep it up. All right. Uh, Joe Biden. Right. Let's get into Sleepy Joe. You mentioned Joe. Mm-hmm. Yep. How's he doing? I understand he gave a speech the other day. We have covid problems we need to address. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there there is the the um, uh, he, he's come out and said that if he were president, he would mandate federally that, you know, everybody wear a mask. No, uh, oh, I would love to see that. How are you going to enforce that? It's. Yeah, that's my first question is how are you going to enforce it? Because, for example, let's say he enacts that and we have a governor like South Dakota, for example, that says, yeah, no, we're not going to follow that. Well, governor just overruled and, you know, what what the president said. So, I mean, you know, we have a federalist system, right? Uh, and the same with the mayor. If a mayor says, yeah, we're not going to follow that. Technically, that overrules you. Sorry. Uh, so there's not going to be any way to really enforce it. But his uh are, are we wanting to get into the numbers his um why he says uh he wants to enact the uh the face masks because we've seen so many deaths so uh he he is he is a little concerned i have to admit he's more concerned than trump when it comes to the number of covid deaths in the us he he is a little more concerned than trump is don't you think i mean it would seem that way he's been in his basement uh for most of this time yeah yeah, he managed to come out and get an eye lift somehow. Uh, I'm not quite sure how that happened, but uh, he, he did manage to come out and get an eye lift. But let's go to uh, let's go to the clip we have of Joe Biden. Uh, where, where was this? Where, where was he at? Given this uh, given this speech? That is a good question. Somebody's back garden is what it looks like, but I, I don't actually know where it's at. OK, well, basically, he's giving a speech. Yeah. in somebody's back garden and he's got a mask on. It's looped around his ears, but it's pulled down under his chin. So I'm not quite sure what even the point is. I mean, it's like this is a complete it's a farce at this point. So let's go to what he has to say 
about uh, about the economy and the number of COVID deaths in the United States? What people drastically underestimate is the impact on the mental health of people who now everything is complicated. Not only is the healthcare piece, but people don't have a job. People don't have anywhere to go. They don't know what they're going to do. And a lot of people you have unnecessarily. Now we have over 120 million dead from COVID. 120 million dead from COVID. 120 million dead. Of course, you could say, well, yes, okay, he misspoke. He, he misspoke, right? He, 120,000, right? I think is the, the number. But do we even have those numbers? I would argue no, because they've reclassified everything. That's what we talk about here all the time. They've reclassified all those deaths. So how do we know what a true number is? They beat you over the head all day, every day with science-based, science-based, science-based. But look, I'm all about science. I'm all about medical. I want real data. That's all I want. I don't care how bad it is. But the fact is, is they've screwed with everything. But 120 million, you know, we, that's a that's a big number. Don't you think, Bruce? I mean, we got to deal with that. If that's if we've, lost, million, if we've lost a third of the country, if we've lost yeah. a third of the U.S. population, I mean, we're going to seriously have to have to reevaluate here, don't you think? Yeah, that means uh, the fatality rate is in the range of like 50 percent. If we've had a, or excuse me, 50%, there's only been 2 million that have been infected. So if, if that's the case and you're looking at it, what, like a, a thousand percent death rate? <laughs> I mean. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Like, I understand misspeaking or something, but like this sure. is this is just he should have immediately if he was cognitively aware, he should have immediately corrected himself immediately. Mm -hmm. But he didn't. He just keeps on going. He, he just keeps going. Well, not only not only has he done this one. Right. He also said the gun death one here recently. It was 150 million. Yeah, 150 gun million. Deaths. Yeah, yeah no, that that no, I don't know where you pulled that one or what you're. No, I don't even know what he was trying to say on that one. Well, they were doing arguments. I think it was on a debate stage. They were they were arguing the amount of um, they, they were arguing something about gun legislation or something of that nature. And they were talking about the number of cases and then the number of shootings and, and all that stuff. And it was just it, it's complete like the guy can't even form a sentence. And I'm not. What can I say? I don't want to demean the guy because that's just like that's that's cruel and unusual because I, like I can't sit here and do that and make fun of somebody because I know that there's a cognitive issue that, that's going on there. Clearly, you can see it, right? I agree. And now I'm, I'm I'm slowly getting to the point to where I disagree because he's putting himself up there and he's the one running for election. So it's kind of like you're fair game now. So I'm, I'm kind of slowly like you're putting yourself out there, bro. You're not willing to back down. So uh, I, I guess we'll see after uh, he's officially the candidate. Right. Uh, so I don't think Democrats he's going to stick with him. I don't think he's going to be. Yeah. I think they're going to drop him from the ticket because they're going to because of all this, this doctored up, ginned up covid nonsense. They're going to they're going to push for the virtual convention. They're going to knock him off the ticket. They're going to put Hillary and Obama in there. Right. This is just my opinion. They're going to put Hillary and Obama in there. And then if you don't go for them, you're racist or something, you know, just pick your whatever. Right. Pick your agenda. And then the Republicans are probably going to try and do the same thing. They're probably going to try and do the same thing. Oh, we can't have all the rallies because now if you go to a Trump rally, well, you're a you're a genocidal maniac because you're spreading COVID. That That's actually an interesting point, by the way. Interesting point. It, it, it brings me to another point where the media is saying that the rallies that he's the, the rally that he's held so far. Has he held two mm -hmm. rallies now? Two rallies. Okay. Yeah. Basically, they were saying that these were mask barren places like nobody was wearing a mask for these rallies. The thing well, is, the looters weren't either. The looters and the protesters yeah. weren't either. Right. 
But I know for a fact, at least with the Tulsa one, and I'm sure it's the same way with the, the other rally, they were handing out masks. Like when you walked in, they checked your temperature, handed you a mask and offered you hand sanitizer if you wanted it. They had crates of hand sanitizer and everybody had one, but it was your choice on whether you wore it or not. I mean, it, you know, self-governance. Oh, wow. Imagine that. And another thing, we've kind of had this, and uh, we go on COVID. I've heard the argument, well, you don't have the right to infect others, right? Y you know what? How many viruses were there before this? How many different types of bacteria? How many other types of things that could be spread from human to human has been in existence before this? Or was this the first one? We've always had this idea of, you know, there, there's, there's risks in society. And it's just, I don't know, man, this is just, it's so stupid. Yeah, that's what I said, though. I said it last night, just as we were finishing up. They have to keep people in fear. They have to scare people into submission. That's all they have at this point. That's all they have. Yeah. They don't have anything else. There's nothing else they've got. They've got no cards left to play here. They have fear. And if you insert an element of fear into a population to carry out a political gain or political will, what's that called? Terrorism. I rest my case. For those that aren't aware, we're against terrorism. I, I, I don't know if I need to remind you guys of that. Yeah, we, we don't like terrorism. In fact, we've been in a war for how many years now against terrorism? 20. So, yeah. 20. Yeah. Yeah. But see, terrorism's anyway. not. But see, yeah, I, and that whole thing, the whole quote, war on terror, right? Terrorism's not an ideology. Terrorism's a tactic. Yes. That's very important to understand. So being at war with a tactic is vastly different than being at war with an ideology. So just thought I'd throw that in there. All right. So the EU is banning. <laughs> I'm not joking. The EU is banning U.S. travelers. I guess I should go home then. I guess I should right? just pack my stuff and, and hop on a plane and say, see you later. Because, well, I mean, well, okay, the European Union says they're going to bar most travelers from the U.S., Russia, and dozens of other countries considered too risky <laughs> because they've not controlled the coronavirus outbreak. Sweden never closed. <laughs> they yep. never closed. We talked, like our yeah. sound guys up there, we talked to him all the time. He says, oh, we even had him on that one day. He actually mm -hmm. popped in one day. He's like, yeah, nothing's closed. We're, we're doing fine. Everything's good. Sweden never closed. You got to bar. Well, no, Sweden's in the EU. So what are you going to do? You're going to shut them down. You're going to stop travel to Sweden to and from. It didn't hear anything about that. Are they stopping <laughs> travel from China as well? Well, see, China's open for business. Uh -huh. Oh, yes. The acceptable countries also include. OK, by contrast, travelers from more than a dozen countries that are not overwhelmed by the coronavirus will be welcomed when the block reopens after months of lockdown on Wednesday. The acceptable countries also include China. Where the virus came from, just throwing that out there. But only if China allows EU travelers to visit as well. I wouldn't be setting foot in that country. Not one. The list of safe countries was completed by EU senior diplomats in Brussels. Oh, well, because they're just so, so wonderful. The list was backed in principle by most EU ambassadors and does not require unanimous support. Well, okay, yeah, this, this further proves the point that the EU is a joke because the people don't have a say in any of it. So how about you give the people that decision? How about that? You give the nation states a, a, a decision. Now, but see, the, the bureaucracy is meant to make the nation states of the poor people of Europe irrelevant. Countries that made the safe list include Canada and Australia and were judged on a mix of scientific criteria, which is political science at this point, that included their infection rates and the credibility of their public health reporting data. You've changed everything. You've changed everything. How can you base it on that? The list will be updated every two weeks, raising the possibility that excluded countries will be added. 
Ah, enough of this nonsense. I thought political. Australia was doing really bad. It's a political football. Uh, who knows? Who, who knows? It, it's a, the whole thing is a it's a farce, man. It's a joke. I'm uh. mm-hmm. anyway. OK, so the EU. Yes, they are. Uh, they're, <laughs> they're banning U.S. people. I guess I guess I'm on the chopping block now. Right. Let's get into some new blood going into Congress. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah. All right. So uh, what was his name again? Madison Cawthorn. Madison Cawthorn. He is from the 11th District of North Carolina, and he is 24 years old. I I heard an interview with him today. He is 24 years old. He is uh, partially paralyzed from being in a car accident, and he's in a wheelchair. He is diehard conservative. And Bruce, you're going to go over some of his credentials here in just a second. He's diehard conservative, and he is... Uh, he's looking forward to getting in there. Now, let me explain something. He ran. Now, he won the primary. OK, so he's going to be on the ticket against the Democratic candidate. He won the primary against a Republican who was backed by Trump. Think about what I just said. He won the primary against a Republican who was backed by President Donald Trump publicly. So what does that say? That says to the constituents, hey, we don't like the way that the president is doing things. We need something a little bit more pushy. So the kids saw this stuck to his message and he won. So let's go over some of the things that he stands for, because if elected, if elected right now, AOC holds, I think she holds the uh, holds the record for being the youngest member of Congress ever elected. So if this is the case, if he makes it, he will then become the youngest uh, U.S. citizen in history to be elected to the U.S. Congress, U.S. House of Representatives. So let's go over some of his uh, his credentials here. So what does he stand for, Bruce? So he's opposed uh, to sanctuary cities, universal health care, and abortion. He is a climate change skeptic. Uh, he's a committed Christian, and he wants to cut government spending, which God, we need more of those in office. He counts his role models as Charlie Kirk and Ben Shapiro, uh, as far as conservative leanings. He basically says he wants to be a different kind of candidate. We want to set ourselves apart. We've been sending the exact same thing to Washington for so many times. So many times. Congress is designed to be a cross section of American people, and it's definitely not. Um, Yeah, I mean, on the surface, what I what I'm seeing about him, uh, he's uh, looks pretty good. One of the things that he mentioned in the interview that I was, um, yeah, he he does. By the way, one of the things that he was mentioning in the uh, the interview that I heard of him, he said that when he came out of the hospital from the uh, unfortunate accident that he had, he had around three million dollars worth of medical bills to pay for, and he didn't know what to do. So he started his own real estate company. He's currently the CEO of his own real estate company. At twenty four years old, he does this. And by the way, he's also a motivational speaker. On top of it, (laughs) at twenty four, right? This kid. I mean, I, I got all the respect in the world for this kid. Right. Just looking at all this stuff. This is this is amazing. So not only does he support all of those ideals, which we don't have up there on the hill anyway, largely. I mean, we do, but not to the extent that, as you said, Bruce, we need to put more people in there with those types of opposing views to the hard left that are in there because you want the balance. He's right when he says that we need to uh, to have the balance between the two. and We don't have it anymore. So it's got to be there. A couple of things that he, he pointed out uh, about himself. He said that he was raised on push-ups and, and proverbs when he was coming up as a kid, and uh, which that's a Midwestern thing. It's kind of a, yeah, you're, you're raised on uh, on discipline in the Bible. That's that's pretty much how it is. Hence the Bible belt. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah that. So, right, right. Um, you know, that, that's how it is. And so you have that stature about yourself because you come up from a, from a hard discipline you know, upbringing. And so it gives you that drive to want to do more and be more 
and to give back. And so I think that's what he's doing now. He sees a problem in the system. And so he's he's taking it upon himself to run for office and go in there and, and try and do some good. And so and, and we need that. We need that. That that needs to be in there. You've got to have that in there now because everything is just so insane that you've got to have people like this in there to do good work. Another thing he said was that the first thing that he was given was a hammer. You know, the first tool he was given was a hammer. And the second thing that he learned how to use was a gun, (laughs) which means he knows about hard work. So um, it's just one of those things, man. It's it's good to see that, especially from that generation. It's good to see that. And he's I believe that's Generation Z. Yes, that's, that's, you know, Generation Z. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Why is the millennials? That's that's the AOC crowd. You know, some of the rest of us are unfortunately mixed in there, you know, just on the Mm -hmm. on the edge of it. But nonetheless, but he's he's Generation Z. Now, you brought up an interesting point earlier off recording as we were sitting down, you know, tossing around ideas about this kid, deciding whether or not we were going to talk about him. What did you bring up about the Generation Z that's unique? Well, uh, what the the part where they're the media is saying they're hard left, but in reality, yes. when you sit down with them and have a conversation and kind of show them the facts and show them what's going on, they're not left at all. They're more conservative than millennials, uh, even more conservative than their parents, which typically you know millennials. But you know, you know, I don't necessarily think that they are that hard left. I mean, I've, I've talked to some of them and some of them, some of them are like that because you, you do have them coming up in the education system and they don't have, you know, we, we talked about the family structure that's been, that's been under attack. They, mm-hmm. they have the mm-hmm. education system that's been dumbed down to a large degree. They don't really know anything outside of the social media norms. And, you know, like I said, they're, they're running around with these thousand dollar iPhones and, and they're wanting socialism. That, that's some of them. And then, of course, you get into the colleges. It's even worse because that's the breeding ground for this stuff. That, that's that's what they get into. So where does I guess where's the disconnect? What, why is this kid the way he is? And then you have the, the average spoiled, rotten brat that's in college that doesn't know anything. And they think that they're the superior ones when it comes to intellect. So where, where's the disconnect is, is my question. Uh, I would assume probably the upbringing. I, I don't know much about this guy specifically yet. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm only speculating. But largely, one of the main differences is, as you said, they're brought up in a, you know, Socialism is great and the system's broken. We've got to fix it. The only way to fix it is to go socialist or communist, you know, and some of them have a very twisted idea of what socialism is. And what I mean twisted is they have a very fantasy world idea of what socialism is. They're not given the facts. They don't know what's really going on. But when you actually show them the facts and the numbers and the statistics and and show them what's really going on, they come around and they they usually they're not confronted with conflicting ideas right now because of the way schooling is and the way colleges are and whatnot. So yeah, it's um, when you when you present them with facts, they typically they come around and they're they're actually more conservative. Is that, is that an adequate answer for your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I tell you what, tomorrow I tell you what I want to do. You know, I I told you to remind me. This week, I want to sit down and talk about juvenile delinquency. I think tomorrow would be a good day to do that. So uh, tomorrow, we're going to sit down and we're going to discuss juvenile delinquency because you mentioned there about upbringing. And we've been talking about upbringing and what shapes these kids into their modern character these days and what puts them on that track. And I think it bears relevance to, to have that discussion because you and I come from similar backgrounds when it comes to geographical areas and idealistic standpoints when it comes to upbringing. So I want to get into the types of educations 
that we had growing up and not just academics. I want to get into the family side of it. I want to get into the religious side of it. I want to get into the uh, the social organization side of it because we didn't have social media coming up. We didn't have any of that stuff. And that's what these kids are raised on now. We didn't have Netflix. We we didn't have, you know, uh, Hulu and Amazon and all this stuff. We didn't have all that stuff. We actually interacted with other kids and we formed friendships. Social media, when I was growing up, that was your bicycle, right? That was social media. So you, you wanted to uh, you wanted to connect with people. Not only did you get that at, at you know, schooling and, and social organizations such as Boy Scouts or if you're involved in sports, baseball, football, soccer, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter whatever your sport was. But if you wanted that other social connection, when you got home from school, what'd you do? You hopped on your bicycle and you went out and you ran around the neighborhoods with the other neighborhood kids. That's what it was. You didn't have online gaming or any of that stuff. The Internet was not even really. Um, I mean, it was there, but it wasn't. It was nothing like what it is now. I mean, now we can work anywhere on the planet, but mm-hmm. it's a different kind of upbringing. So I, w- I want to talk about juvenile delinquency tomorrow, because especially with the, lo- the rioting, the burning, the, the, you know, the looting and everything that's going on in the U.S., if these people came from families, if they came from from respectable uh, backgrounds, you wouldn't have this. You certainly wouldn't have this. That message of socialism, this distorted view that they're getting, that wouldn't resonate with someone that comes from a well-informed, well-educated background and a good family. That wouldn't resonate. That's why the family's been under attack, and that's why our religious institutions and our educational institutions have been infiltrated and destroyed. So tomorrow, juvenile delinquency, we're going to cover it. Can we end on a positive note? Do we have something else? I mean, I, I personally, I kind of thought Facebook uh, losing advertising was positive, but you know. <laughs> that is positive, yeah. You know something? So Parler, I, I want to talk Parler for a minute, right? Parler, that, that's a platform that we've flocked to. That's that's one we've jumped on. And this is a this is a new platform relatively. It's a it's a competitor to Twitter. So I, I want to talk about this for a minute. Now, parlor people, they're largely conservative, right? They're, they're largely conservative. So if, if you want to connect with us over there, by the way, please, please do so. We, we love to get your feedback. We love all the followers. You can follow me over there. I'm at Jay Anderson three. You can also follow Marty at Marty Foster. We would love to get your feedback. And we advertise the podcast there every day. Interestingly enough, right? Trump people, right? Trump fans, conservatives and all that stuff, right? We're, we're all jumping over onto this, uh, this, other, this other app called Parler. And the CEO, he is one of the original iPhone developers, and he worked for Apple for a time. There have been a number of new users jumping in over there for the last week or so. It's been crazy. I mean, you're just seeing all kinds of people pouring in. Celebrities and or not celebrities. Well, not celebrities, but um, well, yeah, some celebrities, I guess. Politicians, mm-hmm. uh, Jim Jordan, you know, a congressman from from my state, Ohio. Uh, he's jumped on there. Controversial guy from the UK, Tommy Robinson. He's jumped on over there. He's back on social media. They give him a platform to speak. Katie Hopkins, also from the UK. She got banned off Twitter. She's over there. Rand Paul's over there. Uh, Ted Cruz has jumped on. But like I said, Republican politicians, they're jumping over there. Everybody's clamoring for Trump to jump over there because we know what Twitter's doing, right? Twitter, they're starting to censor him. So and this is kind of what I was talking about last year. I said, Trump's not going to do anything about social media until they start taking his stuff down. And as the election gets closer and these corporations keep coming on, talking about how they're going to back away from these social media corporations, that's what it's about, too. They want that guy in the White House shut down. And you know something? At the end of the day, it's not about Trump. It's not about Trump. Forget Trump. Trump's just a guy. He's just a guy. Same thing with Boris Johnson in the UK. He's just a guy. It's not about that. It's about the fact that we, the people, told the establishment to drop dead. That's what it's about. They're telling us that they want us out, not Trump, not Johnson. They want Brexit 
revoked. They want the nation state dissolved. They want a one world. The corporations do. They come after Brexit because they're coming after you. They come after Donald Trump because they're coming after you. That's what it's about. So figureheads like Donald Trump, it's not about him. This is what people don't understand. People say, oh, well, you know, you're on to you. Know, you're this Trump guy. You're this Trump guy. It's not about him. He's just there. He's he's just he's the one that appeared at the time when somebody needed a figurehead. That's all it is. But anyway, the CEO of Parler, John Matz, he has said that uh, if you and he's advertising free speech, you know, free speech platform, unless you're a, a hate group. Bruce, you and I looked through the uh, the TOS and it's mm-hmm. it's pretty open. I mean, you can say just about whatever you want, as long as you're not, yep. uh, you know, an, an extremist group or a terrorist organization, then you're good. You can't troll. I mean, it, you know, any, any spam accounts or stuff like that, they have teams working on that and they will kick you off. But you can't duplicate accounts. So when you register one account, then that's it. That's your one account. Uh, and they do that through your telephone number. But he has said that if you can say it on the street in New York, you can say it on Parler. And you know what? I've heard a lot of talk on the street in New York. <laughs> I've heard a lot of talk. But um, Nikki Haley's also jumped over there, uh, by the way. Three Republican politicians uh, have jumped over. Representative Devin Nunes, right? He jumped over uh, from California. Ted Cruz, like I said, Rand Paul's over there. They're putting out calls wondering, you know, what's taking people so long? So here's the other aspect, right? And this is what I find really interesting about this is the CEO, right? Matt's, he's put out a, he's put out what he's calling a progressive bounty, right? This is what I said, you know, Marty was talking to me the other day and he says something about, oh, well, you know, we're, we're, we don't want to be an echo chamber. And that's not what they want it to be either, right? The, the people that run it, they don't want it to be that either. They don't want the thing to be an echo chamber. They're not really political. They really don't see one side or the other. They just believe in free speech like we do. You know, I don't believe in one side or the other. The concept of left and right is is flawed in and of itself. There is no left and right. It's it's not that. It's it, With us, it's ideas. It's what you stand for. I don't care if you identify as left or right. If that's what you want to be, fine. I don't put myself in that in that paradigm. I'm outside of that system. I look at what someone stands for and I look at what their ideas are. And then I judge somebody based on that. They do want to see more healthy debate over there. And that that's paramount in today's world. We've got to have the healthy debate because everything's so polarized. You said it yesterday, Bruce, like the lines are being drawn and, and people are just shut off and they don't talk. And I made the comeback on that saying, how do you have a discussion with somebody that's a wound up hysteric? How, how do you do that? But there mm-hmm. are some that are willing to have that conversation. They're willing to sit down and talk. And they feel as though they don't have anyone to bounce that idea off of. There are people on opposite sides of you that will have different opinions from you. And you can talk to them. Some are like that. But other people are so polarized that they really just don't talk. People historically go one of two ways. They go one of two ways. They'll either get to a point where they will have the dialogue and they will discuss with people or they'll get further into the denial and they'll go completely one side and then they shut themselves completely down. So what they want to do is they put out what's like I said, they've put out what's called a progressive bounty and they're offering people of left leaning, you know, liberal mindset, modern liberal mindsets. uh, They're offering them twenty thousand dollars a head for an openly liberal pundit with up to fifty thousand followers on Facebook or Twitter to come over to parlor. And I think that's pretty reasonable, don't you? I mean, they're willing to pay. What do you think of that, Bruce? Well, uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe uh, you know, you might go out there and get a couple of your friends together. You know, <laughs> fifty thousand of them. You split, know, maybe yeah. Split that five thousand each. Yeah, split a bit. Yeah. That's actually an interesting idea that they're they're putting out the bounty like that. You know, putting their their money where their mouth is, so to speak. I'm for it, honestly. I, that's one of the things that I want. You know, in all of this is 
have that civil discourse. I, I want you guys to be able to sit down and talk with each other from different sides of the aisle and discuss ideas and, and you know, problems and whatnot and find those solutions. That's absolutely something I want. We used to be able to do that, but because the way things have become polarized, we're, you know, supposedly not able to do that anymore. And honestly, that that's that's a lie. You know, I was like I said, I was I was telling Marty not long ago, he says he's worried about the thing becoming an echo chamber. And I said, honestly, that problem is going to fix itself because as Twitter gets more totalitarian and they start banning people, they'll naturally migrate over. That, that will happen. Mm-hmm. You will have those that are still in the angry mob and they will stay there. And then it will be that. It'll just be an angry mob. But you'll have other people, other more prominent voices. They will migrate over naturally. It will happen. And as I said, you've got the uh, there was a big campaign that was just on last week, Twexit, the campaign that was promoted uh, in the UK. And they've increased their users by a half a million within a week. So it's going to be platforms like this. It's going to be platforms that allow you to speak that are going to be the place where you can actually have the healthy dialogue. I I think it's important that that's what people do. We've got to have the talk. We have to have the talk. Those that don't agree. I've had people disagree with me on there already. And I've also had the occasional, uh, you know, troll and stuff. You see him hanging around and everybody just like everybody just kind of gangs up on him and says, look, you know, you're completely wrong. You're out of, you know, you're out of your league. You don't know what you're talking about, blah, blah, blah. But it doesn't get hateful. You know what I mean? It's not like the Twitter mobs where you're you're pretty much vilified, you're doxxed and, and people show up at your house and you get fired from your job. Right. There's a there's a difference there. So. If you have what they call um, what they describe as uh, fighting words, those are their actual um, th- those are their actual what they say in the terms of service. So that's the only the only no no, as they call it on Parler. So the only thing you can't do is and they have their community guidelines up there. You can go and read them yourself. Uh, it doesn't allow terrorist organizations or support for terrorism or the sharing of false rumors or violent language towards others. It doesn't allow blackmail or pornography. So as long as you can operate within those simple guidelines, which, Bruce, like I said, you and I went down those TOS. Mm -hmm. uh, If you can operate within those simple guidelines, I think you're fine. Other than that, you can pretty much say and do just about anything you want. Now, Facebook, if you're Antifa, boy, you can organize there all day long. Uh Uh, If you're the United Nations, you can even promote them. I don't call that anything other than terrorism and a terrorist organization. That's what I call it. And that's not a false rumor either. You know, I'll stand by that because if you look at what those people stand for. Yeah, no, thanks. Anything else you got today, Bruce? No, just just kind of as a closing point with the uh, bit we were just talking about, um, the free market will sort itself out. I mean, and that's that's kind of what the the migration to Parler will do. It's uh, yes, it'll sort itself. It will. Yeah, that's what I was. Uh, that's what I was telling Marty. I said, "Don't worry, man. That'll sort itself. It'll uh, it'll mm-hmm. it'll correct itself." And sooner or later, Bruce, you will be on there. I foresee it. You will be there eventually. Yeah, I'll be over there. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Okay. Looking forward to that day, Bruce. Thank you for your time tonight. And from all of us here, wherever you are in the world, we thank you for listening because it's all of you that listen that make this all possible. We love you, and we love freedom and independence. And together, we'll continue to fight for those in the marketplace of ideas. So we'll see all of you tomorrow.